It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here on this special edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. As I have a chance to think back, you know, we got with the most patriotic audience in America. We always have. We always will. That's why I always look to uh, personally feeling the same way. I personally love to book people that do great things about moving American history forward and enlightening the general public about it. And for the most part, Ken Burns has been doing just that for about 30, 40 years. His latest project is called is about Ben Franklin. And I, truth, uh, truth be told, I did play Ben Franklin in sixth grade. Excuse me, fourth grade. I was Ben Franklin. I won the part, and I had to memorize a whole copy to do an hour play. So I always loved Ben Franklin. And he is the guy that did everything from the wood-burning stone to the post office to the fire department to electricity uh, to being the statesman that delivered the French to allow us to win the Revolutionary War. Besides that, I really can't think of anything he accomplished. So he came in to talk about uh, to talk about his brand new documentary on PBS. This hour, we're also going to have an inter- uh, going to you're going to bring back an interview with Gary Sinise, whose foundation has just moved to Tennessee. It has done so much for so many of today's modern warriors ever since he played that part in Forrest Gump. And then Kelsey Grammer is going to be joining us too. He gave us some quality time to talk about his brand new patriotic series on Fox Nation, which I'm sure you will love. So with Ken Burns in particular, I think you're really going to like him to talk about Ken Burns because we focus a lot on presidents, and we should. You know, Thomas Jefferson doing stuff on John Adams. That was the first big one. I think David McCullough put that out. And then you have uh, George Washington's been – Ron Chernow did an incredible book on George Washington. And then you have people like Alexander Hamilton who's been immortalized not only in his day and in our money but in that play. So that was fantastic, and Ron Chernow gets credit for that, and Ulysses S. Grant – but Benjamin Franklin all along has been a little old to fight in the war, but not too old to fight in the French-Indian War. And they talked about his remarkable recovery, his, fra- his fracture with his, uh, his remarkable life and his fracture with his son that still bothered him his whole life uh, and things he could have done for another child that, was, that was, uh, died very young. So you get his personal professional life. So Ken Burns put it all together. I don't know how he does it, narrows it all down, especially with no uh, pictures, just sketches. Uh, with no firsthand accounts except for the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, which he kind of fed off of. So Ken Burns has not only done some great things in the past, everything from looking at the Civil War, but looking at some great Americans. And here's uh, my look back at my interview with Ken Burns as he discussed his latest project on Benjamin Franklin. Ken Burns, congratulations on your congratulations on your newest project, Benjamin Franklin. Ken, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. It's great to hear your voice again. Yeah, no, I, I I'll tell you, I'll get right out of the uh, out of the box. I think uh, there's a moment uh, in the film where you think, wow, maybe he's more important than Washington because Washington's outside of Yorktown, there with nine thousand of his colonial uh, regulars, the Continental Army, closed now and. Armed by the French, thank you, Benjamin Franklin. Next to him are nearly the uh, same number of uh, French soldiers who've been sent there by the king, thank you very much, Mr. Franklin. And Cornwallis, the British commander's escape, is blocked uh, by a French fleet that's also outside of Yorktown, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Franklin. So the singular victory, the victory that won our revolution, is all due to the greatest diplomat in American history, who also happens to be the greatest writer of the 18th century, American writer, the great 
first American humorist, a successful businessman, the greatest scientist in the world that century, a premier inventor, an editor of the Declaration of Independence, and the person who forged all the essential and some tragic compromises that created the United States of America. He's older than any of the others. His son is older than Jefferson and Adams and Madison. So you have the wisdom of the age embodied in this man who is by far one of the most compelling figures of the entire 18th century, if not our American story. Absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's not a perfect guy, but, man, did he live it, uh, an incredible life. How did you break it up? You brought it up into two. It's titled Join or Die, 1706 to yeah. 1774. And the second episode, 75 to 1790. Was that tough to make that decision? Oh, God, yeah. We're moving the goalposts on this thing was, was, was really tough, but it's exactly right. I mean, basically, we have the first 69 years of his life in episode one, and man, is it jam-packed. But in, in addition to all the things that I told you about, episode one has this kid growing up in Puritan Boston who has only two years of schooling. So as one of the commentators in the film says, he didn't know what he didn't need to know, so he decided he had to know everything. That's the key to Benjamin Franklin. He just is curious about who he is. He wants to improve himself. He wants to join with other people. He has great sense of civic responsibility and, and paying back. He is, as you suggest, an enslaver of, of household slaves. But he evolves on that. And by the end of episode two, he's an abolitionist. I mean, it's it's a really great story. But what happens is he's he, just, he figures out decades before anybody else that there might be this thing called an American, not a British subject in these 13 colonies but an American. He's a postmaster. He's connected everybody together. If you're in South Carolina and you send a letter from Charleston to Boston, it goes through London. And he goes, no, no, no. So he begins to um, suggest 20 years before the revolution, what was called the Albany Plan of Action, in which he drew a figure of a segmented snake representing the various states cut up, and he says, join or die. And everybody thought it was too radical. He borrowed this, believe it or not, ironically, from Native American Confederation, the Iroquois Confederation, Haudenosaunee, as it was called, that held together the various tribes without warring uh, because they could found a way to resolve disputes. So he suggests this, and, you know, people said, no, too radical for us. But 20 years later, when the revolution happens, it's the slogan that's adopted, join or die, with this snake cut up representing the 13 colonies. It's brilliant. So he understands what it means to be an American, but he nevertheless spends those 20 years mostly in London trying to bridge the gap of the, of, of between the, the colonists and Great Britain. And the rhetoric is escalating on both sides. It's getting out of hand. He's trying really hard. He makes a mistake. It's pretty interesting in the film. But he's excoriated in the cockpit, a place in Whitehall in Westminster where Henry VIII used to have cockfights. And a, guy, a prosecutor screams at him for an hour. And he walked into there a Briton and walks out an American. And so that's sort of the end of the first episode. An event. It's, just, it's riveting, riveting. I mean, the first fire department, there's a Franklin stove, the lightning rod, bifocals. This is nothing this guy couldn't do. Here's an idea of of the of what you'll see in this two-part series, the latest work of Ken Burns on Benjamin Franklin. Let's listen. The American identity begins when Benjamin Franklin knit the American colonies together. Franklin is
is endlessly interesting. Predator, scientist, revolutionary. He is the only founding father who evidently had a sense of humor. His vision is broader than the American Revolution. The things that he spoke of, that he wrote about, had a certain amount of power. He really was an American genius. And he's somebody uh, played a role in the writing of the Constitution, uh, the Declaration of Independence, uh, rather. He was a delegate yeah. of the Constitutional uh, Convention. He wasn't somebody yeah, to fight in the war. He uh, was older than that time, right, Ken? Yes, exactly, way older, and he and he forges those compromises. If you go back to the Declaration, Jefferson, charged with writing it, beautiful document, obviously, sends it to Franklin first for his edits. He's an editor, right? He's a printer. And um, he says, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. And Franklin goes, hang on a second, Tom. We're in the age of enlightenment. We're governed by reason and experiment and by um, rationality. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And you can see the cross out of sacred and undeniable. Man, it gives you goosebumps, right? And right. there's the word self-evident. If that isn't, as one of our commentators says, a world-class suggestion, it was just just fantastic. It was just fantastic. And then, you know, he's going to be there to forge it. I mean, he's, he's in at every little thing creating us and the U.S. And, you know, a big important thing is he's on the $100 bill. It's the largest bill in basic circulation in the United States, right? People don't brandish anything higher than a $100 bill usually, right? And he's the symbol of upward mobility. He's the symbol of striving. He's a poor kid from Boston, brings himself up. But we're missing half the picture. It was always tethered, as you said, to this idea of civic responsibility, about giving back, about the, about the unum as well as the pluribus. And so he does start volunteer fire departments. He does create a police force. He starts a university. He starts the first free lending library. He starts a, um, a, a philosophical society. In fact, that's where the first copy of the Declaration is. You can go see it in there. And Jefferson's handwritten, very accessible, looks like my messy handwriting, uh, but, you know, a lot more important than anything I'll ever write. Uh, and it's all there. And it's, you know, this man comes alive. He gives us a portal into our founding where that doesn't seem so far away. It doesn't feel like waistcoats and right. breeches and powdered wigs. It feels like a real person struggling to be a better person, a more perfect person, as the preamble of the Constitution says, struggling to pursue happiness, which was not material things. It was lifelong learning for the founders. All of them felt that. And he was capital H happy. He, and he was also, I mean, so many things. I remember reading his first biography. I think it was like 100 pages, and it talked about how, you know, he worked for his brother and then just went on his own to Philadelphia, and he had very little in his pocket. One thing sticks out with me. I'll paraphrase it. He said, I have almost nothing in my pocket, but then someone asked me for money. I don't know why I was compelled. Why is it that when you have so little, you, you're always the first to give, but maybe you don't want people to know how little you have. So he started you know off what? on meager I means. Yeah, this is this is really true. He was an indentured servant, one 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 notch short of being a slave, an enslaved person. He was an indentured servant to his older brother James in the print shop, and because he was so good, he would send in these anonymous letters under the name of Silence Do Good and poke fun at Cotton Mather, the reigning you know uh, religious figure of the time and, and and their dogmas. And finally, the brother becomes so jealous that it's impossible, and he runs away, and, and you know steals 
gets on a ship and ends up in Philadelphia. But what we find is that people with nothing often give more, a greater percentage of what they have yeah. than people who a lot. Because if you've got a hundred bucks and somebody says, hey man, your friend says, I really need a hundred bucks, you give it to him. Franklin was about that kindness and that generosity. If you've got a thousand bucks, somebody comes to you and says, hey, give me a hundred. You go, well, then I'll only have nine hundred. <laughs> so you're just, you know, the calculus, if, okay, I've got a billion, can you lend me a hundred million? You know, <laughs> whatever it is, it, get, it just gets a little bit. And thank goodness, you know, in our country, philanthropy right. is at the heart of what I do. You know, all my stuff is on public broadcast and and that besides the broadcast it'll be available you know streaming for forever for all those on all the PBS platforms but I don't get these films made unless Bank of America is generous exactly. unless uh, various individuals David Rubenstein the philanthropist uh, uh, patriotic philanthropist is generous and the Better Angels Society and the and, Park Foundation and the, you yeah. know, that sort of stuff all right, coming up after the break, more with Ken Burns and a look at Ben Franklin. It is fascinating. Don't move. Special Memorial Day edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you for celebrating Memorial Day with us. It's the best of Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. I just find this stuff fascinating. And again, I got this attack to, uh, attachment to Ben Franklin because I had to memorize this Hour-long script in fourth grade. I actually paid, uh, played Ben Franklin. How great is that? Uh, but to learn more about him and details that only Ken Burns can bring forward is fantastic. As we move along with the interview, we talk more about Ben Franklin as he gets older. Uh, so let's take a listen. Here's another cut of some of the quotes that you say you find out, or some of them were kind of stolen and reworked. Let's listen. Cut 36. He that lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. God helps them that help themselves. Haste, he said, makes waste. And lost time is never found again. God heals, and the doctor takes the fees. A countryman between two lawyers is like a fish between two cats. The greatest monarch on the proudest throne is obliged to sit upon his own arse. Franklin is endlessly quotable. You could live your life, I think, in Franklin aphorisms, most of which we should say are stolen from other people, but slightly reworked. So in Franklin's version, they're in a better form. Three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> I love so, that last one. So Kate, That's a great about the process, I know you did it from Walter Isaacson's book, but I always love no, to no, hear no. your... You work with Walt. Oh, you work, work with him? With so uh, and and he's on camera, but we have lots of uh, the the last one we just heard is Stacy Schiff, who wrote a magnificent book about uh, Jefferson's diplomatic genius in convincing the French, um, another monarch, to you know fight another monarch. It's great. But I love when you, since you have such fundamental knowledge to begin with, before you start these projects outside maybe Muhammad Ali, I'm not sure. What did you learn that you said, oh my goodness, I cannot believe he did that, or I can't believe, good or bad? What did you learn about uh, Benjamin Franklin? I think I inherited the way most of our listeners had, you know, that the, the, the lightning needed to strike the kite. It didn't. Um, and, and a few of the things, the aphorisms, the sense of being pulling up by the bootstraps, the civic commitment to to the us of us of the united states you know all of that intimacy all of the things he sacrificed he held all those inventions you listed at the beginning brian without patent 
He shared them with humanity. It's the lightning rod based on his scientific principles. I mean, the things that we use today about electricity, I'm presuming you're not an expert in electricity, but, but when we say negative and positive, most people understand what we're talking. When you say battery or charge or conductor, with regard to electricity, people know what you're talking about. These are all Franklin words that he borrowed from other parts of the lexicon to help people understand this fundamental thing. And then he goes, but none of this is useful if unless I do something. So he invents the lightning rod, which sounds like a nothing thing. It saves thousands of lives a year without patent. Same with the stove, same with the catheter, same with the bifocal, same with all of the things. He charted, he's the first person to chart the Gulf Stream and, and explain why it's harder to go, uh, why it takes longer to go in one direction than the other, and why it's warmer and where it's warmer. You know, it's just, it's amazing. He's, he's omnivorous in his curiosity about the facts of life. He looks at the human circulatory system and then looks at a leaf and the veins in the leaf and he, you know, extrapolates some, some great thought. He's just always improving. And I, as I said, the most important thing is he thinks, you know, it's okay to own slaves. And then all of a sudden he starts a school for black kids and is stunned to find out in Philadelphia that they have exact same potential and aptitude as white kids. And then all of a sudden, he no longer has slaves, and he is the president in his last year of his life of the, of the Pennsylvania Society for the Abolition of Slavery, and he introduces into the new United States government a thing he is as responsible as anyone for creating, uh, proposing the abolishment of slavery. The Senate doesn't even take it up. The House goes nuts and says no and votes it down, um, and of course... Uh, four score and five years from when the declaration was signed, we'll go to civil war over that. But he's there on the right side of things at the right moment, right. well before the abolitionist movement really gets started in the United States in the 1820s and 30s. Ken, you got a busy day. Uh, you have to go to another interview. We have to go to a break, but I can't. Uh, thanks so much for giving us some time. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Please take care. Well, that was Ken Burns, a look at Ben Franklin. If you're not going to go download that on PBS or get the PBS app, I don't know what will make you do it. When we come back, a grateful American, that's the name of his book, and that's what he is, Gary Sinise. He's an Academy Award-nominated actor, one of the best in the business. He's got a, a great special on Memorial Day. He's going to tell you all about it. Uh, don't move. You listen to the special edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's always great to talk to Gary Sinise. Been able to become pretty good friends with him. In fact, I hosted a couple of events for him when this book was out called uh, Grateful American. So when it's Memorial Day, you think about him right away. Memorial Day, 4th of July. The first thing uh, Alice and Eric and Pete always bring up, what about Gary Sinise? And that's why we called him, because uh, not only is he a part of the National Memorial Day concert in Washington, D.C., he also has his foundation. He's the founder of the Gary Sinise Foundation, and he's a guitarist with the Lieutenant Dan Band that does uh, more stuff for, 
for a veteran and those who have lost their lives and anybody else and their families. So here's my interview with Gary Sinise. Let's listen. Today is a big day, Gary. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Good to be back. So tell me about the foundation and this, uh, this great moment for you guys. Well, we're uh, 10 years old now. We launched uh, at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on June 30th, 2011. So uh, this past June, we celebrated our 10th anniversary. Uh, the foundation has grown quite a bit from the early days. Uh, there, you know, I was the original donor, of course, and now we have thousands and thousands of our fellow citizens who have gone to our website, GarySiniseFoundation.org, made a contribution, uh, supported us in our many programs. One of those programs is called RISE, Restoring Independence, Supporting Empowerment. It is a home-building effort. Uh, that's one of the, the things that we do with, with RISE. We build specially adapted smart technology homes for our badly wounded service members. Going back to 2010, before I had the foundation, I started raising money to build homes, providing these uh, mortgage-free smart technology homes. That's just one of the programs of the Gary Sinise Foundation, but one I'm very proud of because we have so many badly wounded service members from right. Afghanistan and Iraq, and they deserve our support. They do. Gary Sinise, our guest. Uh, Gary, how tough was it for you especially? If you weren't acting, you were playing in your band for, for free for charitable causes, mostly veterans' causes. What must it was like for the first time in your adult life last year and the year before, being at home, not being able to? Yeah, uh, uh, very difficult. I mean, I've been traveling nonstop for for decades here, um, you know, going to do movies, uh, you know, across the country. And then um, I really ramped up my military support after September 11th and just have been nonstop traveling. We've done over 530-some concerts around the world and uh, multiple events, and uh, I'm just very, very busy with that. And then along comes the pandemic, and we had to shut down our travel, but it didn't stop us from extending our hand out there. We actually raised uh, as much or more money last year than we have previously uh, because we expanded into our COVID-19 combat uh, emergency combat service to support you know, uh, veterans, first responders, uh, healthcare workers around the country that were fighting this pandemic, and we wanted to be a part of that. So we supported. We continued uh, building our homes, of course. We just couldn't do a lot of the concerts. Uh, but just recently, uh, we went to Nellis Air Force Base and played for everybody there. And uh, we have a wonderful program, Brian, called Snowball Express, uh, focused on the children of our fallen heroes. We usually take over a thousand kids to Disney World uh, right around Christmas time. We can't do that this year. We couldn't do it last year, so we went virtual and we did a virtual event for them. And um, uh, I recorded a concert uh, wow. with my band for the kids. How tough has it been from the soldiers you've seen after the way we left Afghanistan? I understand the calls to suicide hotlines have quadrupled among the veteran community. So many are banged up that you know personally, and they're looking around saying. The way we left, the horror we left behind, the, the plane that was uh, full and not full, the people that are still there, it really made them question their service. That's what I'm getting. Are you seeing that? 
I, ha I have seen that, yes, of course. Uh, it's, it's difficult for so many, and I have so many Afghan uh, veterans that are within our, our community of support that we, we give, and we have a lot of people that reach out to us all the, all the time. And, you know, uh, we can't change what happened uh, there and what happened uh, for our exit. But what we can do is take all the proper steps to reach out and extend our hand to our veterans, no matter what. They go through a lot of difficult challenges. They have difficult issues. They aren't on the front pages all the time. Uh, certainly they're going through, um, you know, reevaluation of their uh, service in Afghanistan and what that meant. But it meant something to me, and it matters. Their service matters no matter what. And each and every day, no matter whether it's Veterans Day, Memorial Day, uh, Independence Day, whatever it is, we can reach out and touch our veterans. They are our freedom providers. They deserve our support. They go through a lot of difficult things, and we need them to know that what they go through as they provide freedom for all of us right. Uh, is not taken for granted. So I, I encourage people to reach out and touch as many veterans each day as possible. They are uh, sacrificing for us, and we, we, just, we should give something back to them. Gary Sinise with us right now. You know what's interesting is, uh, I don't know how, I think I take a giant leap, and you might feel the same way. You know, when you're first coming up uh, doing what I do, but you're much more in the glitz and glamour end of it, you know, it's great when a big director oh, or a big star... Oh, you're glitzy there on Fox and Friends. It's, it's very glamour. Oh, yeah, exactly. It reminds you so much of Hollywood, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you're coming up, if a famous star, actor, director, producer says, hey, you're Gary Sinise, I'd to see you feel like you're on cloud nine. Now it's all changed. If I see a soldier, uh, an airman, a Marine, and they come up to you and they say thanks or I appreciate what you're doing, and I don't do uh, a, a, even a small percentage of what you do or if they like what you do, to me that uh, is better than Jeter knowing who you're talking to or Stallone coming up. It is, it is all flipped as we got older, hasn't it? Uh, it it's, it's, it's wonderful. Look, I always take the opportunity. I, w I would say this to, to anyone. You know, you, if you see somebody in uniform, and, and uh, don't hesitate. Go up and pat them on the back and just say, hey, thank you for serving our country. That, that could change their whole day. I mean, you never know if that person has just gotten off a plane from some place around the world, and he, and, he, and he lost buddies, or he's got buddies in the hospital who got blown up, or he's feeling, uh, you know, low or whatever. You, you walking up to that person and just saying, hey, what you're doing matters to me. I appreciate it. That could change the whole, the whole mood. And I always take those opportunities to go up to folks and thank them for what they do. I don't take their service for granted. I know this this freedom that we enjoy here <laughs> it, it comes at a cost there's a price that is paid we have people that are willing to pay that price and we can never take that for granted just imagine if we had no one to serve and and and, and we didn't have this freedom it, it has to be fought for and protected you go to places around the world that don't really know what freedom is and they have uh, militaries there that are there to take their freedom away or oppress them. You value your own freedom that much more, and you value the people that provide it for you. No doubt about it. And the other thing that uh, I look at when I read your book about what you did, 
you know, you drop out of college, you start your own, uh, you start your own theater company. You literally out there ripping tickets, selling tickets, sweeping the theater, getting the scenery done, being able to nail stuff together, put a cast together, actually perform. When you come up that way, that to me, even if you didn't become Gary Sinise, the big actor, there was some type of solace in doing everything you could. Do you worry that that type of drive is missing, that people are looking too much for excuses and not enough grind and grit in, uh, in, in America right now? Look, I know people spend a lot of time on their devices these days, and uh, but, you know, when you go to the military academies and you see the folks that are serving at the military academies and going to school, this is, this is where, you know, our military leaders are trained. Uh, I've been to all the military academies. I've performed at them. I've done events at them, and I am always... Uh, hopeful and impressed when I leave because I see just uh, a bunch of great Americans uh, that want to be great leaders, and they have uh, and they're going to the academies to learn how to do that. That's impressive. I'm uh, I'm impressed by that. I I, I don't know. I think uh, I think people uh, around the country. There's plenty of people that are working real hard. To try and do, uh, you know, to try to provide for their families and to try to learn a skill, we could do. We could always use more of that, <laughs> but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say that that's not happening out there and take away from the people that are really focused on that. Gary, thanks so much. <laughs> Brian, thank you, and uh, I encourage folks to go to GarySiniseFoundation.org and see what we're doing. We're doing a lot of great things out there, trying to help a lot of great Americans. So, again, if you want to support the Gary Sinise Foundation, go do it. Gary Sinise Foundation, you'll find that. Uh, they have now changed locations. It is the same place. They're now in uh, Tennessee, as he mentioned. And uh, Lieutenant Dan Band will be at every uh, Memorial Day event, even if he's not the headliner. He'll be there. Uh, very humble guy. If you meet him in person and he's quiet, don't take it personal. That's just the way he lives his life. He's got great humility. If you read his book, you find out why. He earned his way up the blue-collar way. Uh, to start his own theater company and everything like that. And, of course, Memorial Day, the National Memorial Day concert, is, has been synonymous with him from here on in. So when we come back, we're going to hear from Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer joined the Fox Nation family. He's got a brand-new patriotic series. You will love it. It's great battles in American history. He's going to bring us threat to the present day, but he begins like you would think he begins in the Revolutionary War. So Kelsey Grammer, the legendary actor, I think he's one of the best in the business, certainly with the best voice. He does everything from Shakespeare to Cheers. Brian Kilmeade Show, Memorial Day edition. Don't move. Remembering those who gave their all on this Memorial Day. You're listening to the best of Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So glad you're here. Uh, kind of cool. I had a chance to catch up with Kelsey Grammer. He's got a brand new series. Uh, it's called Historic Battles for America. It's available now on Fox Nation. Uh, and this guy is extremely patriotic. He wanted to be part of this project, and he did. He's had a chance to do something you're not doing in schools much anymore, and that is going over great moments in American history. If you look at the 1619 Project, you think there were none. Uh, if you listen to most of the media, uh, there are none. Uh, but that's not the case at Fox, certainly not the case on Fox Nation. I got the series What Makes America Great. So here's a little of my interview with Kelsey Grammer. So, Kelsey, the other thing is there's pushback, and I found it too, uh, when you go out and people start talking about the 1619 Project. And, and uh, the governor mm -hmm. of New York says things like, America was never that great. I mean, what, what has happened yeah. over the last five or six years 
uh, since that, that New York Times sad. project came out. Yeah, well, that really made me sad. When I was Governor Cuomo when he said that, and I just thought, are you kidding? And when he said, I'm undocumented, well, I knew his his uncle personally, who was a judge. They were plenty of documentation in that family, <laughs> and he was a wonderful guy. So, I mean, this is a, it's all cartoonish politics is what, what the problem is. Uh, exaggeration after exaggeration in order to influence opinion, and, and hopefully people won't check. I really do think that, honestly, that most politicians at this point assume, oh, they'll just buy what I'm selling them. <laughs> so I just think they got to stop. But right. um, back, back to your question again, uh, America has had some challenging moments in its execution, you know, how we got there. But there has been never, there has never been a greater dream. There has never been a greater government set in motion, at least, than the one that said, we're going to guarantee individual freedoms. That is our mission. And then when you watch what's happening in Ukraine today, and you realize what they're fighting for, even for a growing democracy yeah. with its problems and hiccups, they want the ability to vote on it, and uh, yeah. and they're being steamrolled, and they're fighting back for oh, yeah. that idea. Oh, yeah. Do you think this gives oh, America amazing. a chance to recalibrate? Hey, wait a second, guys. What we're taking for granted here, uh, they're, they're actually dying well, for you know it. What? It only gives us a chance if there are not enough people on the, you know, in the, the wisdom spectrum. You know, if there is wisdom in the voices that teach us, those people may actually end up making an impact on our sense of freedom, our understanding of freedom. Because what they're going through right now is an extraordinary fight. And I look, once again, there's there are arguments on both sides. I know some Ukrainians and I know some Russians and... And uh, along that eastern corridor there, that, that edge of the border, uh, there was always some real conflict. Now, whether or not it was initiated by the Ukrainians, I don't know. But what Mr. Putin has done is overwhelming and, and, and staggering. And it's, uh, there's no way anybody with a rational brain can look at it and think, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's the, the right idea. Yeah. So. No, it's evil personified. It is modern-day Stalin and, uh, and Hitler. What he's doing, and he can't beat the right. army, so he's trying to kill the uh, he's trying to kill the civilians. I never thought we'd see this with a yeah, modern exactly. army. Um, I saw. Well, the... you know, I've we've seen a lot of weird things lately. I mean, I'm honestly the whole lockdown thing. I mean, there was a group of people in our country that were willing to look at another group of people and say, "Well, then, if you don't do what I tell you, you should go to um, a camp." <laughs> I thought, well, that that gang is on the wrong side of history. I would think so. Uh, okay. If you're Shanghai, one of 25 million yeah. locked down with asymptomatic uh, of, of a subvariant, I would think that's a little bit of bitterness. Weirdest thing in the world. Uh, I know. A, a couple of things. I saw that in the past you've talked about running for Congress or something. Are you still thinking about that? No, not anymore. I've, I've sort of put it aside. I, I, it, it's so dirty now and so so personal. And you know, of course, I mean, I got a family, and I want I want my family to be okay. You know. And, they're bound to say some things that would hurt them. And uh, I, I, I want to do what I can to help my country be the best country it is, it can be. And I think it is the best country. Um, it's, um, it's no longer a calling for me. Well, two of my favorite and people. I'm, I'm sadly yeah. so. Right, two of my favorite people, uh, you and Gary Sinise, um, I just think, and yeah. we're on talk radio, and the worlds collide together. Looking back at your series, Frasier, which ironically I was being, I was out in California at the time. I'm being toured through, and they go, I know you guys know Cheers is coming to an end, but you see that set in the corner? That's going to be, Kelsey Grammer's going to get his own series called Frasier, and you hadn't even started it yet. And I just thought, wow, I, hope, I wonder if this spinoff's going to work. Well, the answer is yes, uh, for yeah, Emmy's okay. ready. But here's, here's Gary Sinise. 
calling into your radio show host so I can relate to you. Uh, here's Gary Sneeze calling into your show. Hello, Dr. Crane. I have a terrible fear of talking on the phone to people I do not know. <laughs> I freeze up. <laughs> it is a severe handicap in today's fast-paced, highly competitive world. Sir, are you reading what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> so you had celebrities call in that's, to your show. That's pretty funny. They called in a lot. You know, I forgot, I forgot that Gary called. I just, I just got a text from him. We're going to do a celebration of the Sinise Foundation in Nashville. He's just moved. Yeah, we had him <laughs> on today. October, I think. That's a funny thing. Right. Well, you were part of it. You did it. I mean, do you remember yeah, those days no, fondly, or was it just a lot no, of work? I remember. I remember it very fondly. It was the best work of my life. And listen, I, I've been blessed. I mean, I got to do what I love to do for a long time. Uh, there was a time when I was waiting tables when I thought this is never going to work, but you know, I, I got over that hump and things turned out okay. And uh, I have a wonderful life, wonderful family, and a great career. And so, you know, honestly, I, I have nothing to complain about. I just, I'm just am here to do my best to serve the people. I still believe in that, and I still believe in entertainment based upon doing. And so, all this stuff is uh, that's what I'm trying to do now. Well, Kelsey, it's always great to hear from Kelsey Grammer. I can't wait to get him in studio. Another guy that has a tremendous amount of fame, but is very humble when you meet him in person, and we hope to get him in studio soon when more people feel comfortable traveling. Uh, he spends a lot of time in Texas, and he has uh, becomes quite a conservative. And a lot of times you pay a price in your career for that, but he's still moving along. Uh, Ken Burns, I, I hope you enjoyed his look at what it was, what it was like to put together uh, the Ben Franklin feature and also what it's like to stand up for history in a time in which history is under attack, under attack and on Memorial Day. If you want to think about those who served and made the ultimate sacrifice, Gary Sinise is one-stop shopping. He does it on a daily basis for the men and women serving now and in past years to keep their memory alive. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.